Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. Today we're looking at those Spider-Man reviews as well as looking at Amy Pascal's comments again. Mitchell Ellison is returning to Punisher and we think we have a release date. Infinity War heads to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Wonder Man wants to be in the MCU. Black Panther's adding another character and there'll probably be another Avenger in Spider-Man 2. This is the MCU Exchange Podcast and you're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. What if I told you that reality is one of many... This is the MCU Exchange podcast, the official podcast of MCU Exchange, just in case you thought that we had like, you know, hacked in from Russia or something and taken over the site. No, (laughs) we in fact are the official podcasters of this website. As usual, we've got with us today, Adam and Rhiannon. How are you doing, guys? Good. Doing good. All right. Our news this week is going to jump straight into Spider-Man because we are about to be 24-7 Spider-World here coming up. And I think the first thing we should talk about is just the first reviews have come out. And generally, across the board, they have been nothing but spectacular. Um, What have you guys seen on these reviews, and uh, what what excites you about them? I'm just excited that it's a good movie. I think we've been getting a little bit scared that there might be... I, I know last week on the podcast, we were all struggling to find something to be excited about. So there's nothing specifically in the reviews that I remember that that got me excited. But I just know that I am, again, far more excited to see the movie now that folks are saying that it is solid. Yeah, you know, we always... <laughs> Rhiannon's... My favorite analogy of Rhiannon's is he's the, the vanilla ice cream, you know? So that's... I mean, it's, it's hard... It was hard for me to get excited, you know, about Spider-Man. Um, but, I mean, seeing these reviews, you know, I mean, you even have some people calling it their favorite MCU movie, which people typically don't do in reviews, you know. People really, really liked it. I guess I really haven't seen any negatives. I don't want to say negatives, but massive criticism, you know, comparing it to the uh our our most recent mcu movie in guardians 2 you know i've seen far less criticisms or or pointers if you will on spider-man homecoming you know so it sounds like it's a pretty darn good flick yeah the only one i saw was someone said something like uh the movie doesn't have the gravity of the old sam raimi ones because they don't get into uncle ben's death and there's no origin story but to me that's like one of the things that everyone was begging for was like Please don't put us through that again. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, No, it's I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's it's like the 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 whole Batman thing, you know, how many times are we going to see the Waynes murdered in an alley? You know, we we already know what in the heck's going on. It's they're in the same boat. Yeah. And so if that's the big criticism, hey, I'm totally cool with that. If you're saying the problem with this movie is, is it's just so much fun and there's not enough seriousness. Awesome. I'll take that. You know, like uh, Spider-Man to me should be fun. And I was just reminding myself of how good Spider-Man was in civil war. And so if it's like remotely as enjoyable as that was, it's going to be a blast of a movie. And it may not be one of my top MCU movies because it, you know, lacks kind of sophistication, but that's okay. I think we're at a point where Spider-Man, where we just need him to be a lot of fun. And if they can build to like this deep, meaningful, you know, Craven's last hunt in 10 years. Awesome. But for right now, we just need a fun Spider-Man. And the thing that's encouraging me is um, 
seen a thing or two kind of compare a little bit to Iron Man. You know, if it's kind of got that buzz to it, um, awesome. I'll take it, you know? And I have to say, after along with oh, sorry, I have to say, oh, just after Iron Fist, the whole vanilla ice cream analogy just has a lot more spice to it. <laughs> Are you saying the Iron Fist is the new vanilla ice cream of the MCU? No, I'm saying after poor Kyle and his vanilla ice cream craving. <laughs> oh yeah, vanilla ice cream could be dangerous. To be fair, he may be the stupidest character in the entire MCU. <laughs> if you could work for that, you know, that wacko and not realize that your death was coming pretty soon, you deserve to be like beheaded with an ice cream scooper or whatever happened to him. <laughs> Speaking of things that make us want to rip our eyes out with ice cream scoopers, apparently Amy Pascal is talking about Venom again and the Spider-Man movies. And... <laughs> I mean, all I can say is Kevin Feige and her have both come out and said that she really shouldn't have talked what she did because it's not really what's going on and that these universes are separate. I wrote a, a feature last week about why I thought there was some legitimacy to what she was saying, but all of that was assuming that she's a rational human being that would not do something insanely stupid, and now it looks like she was just <laughs> doing something very stupid, so... I don't know. I mean, we're off again, right? Like, Venom is back out of the MCU. Is that what you guys are understanding at this point? You know, at this point, I think we should just stop listening to anything on this particular subject. Because it's obvious that there is something going on behind the scenes. And they just don't want us to know right now. But Amy Pascal really wants us to know. But Kevin Feige really doesn't want us to know. And this is one where I am perfectly cool just sitting back and being patient and being like, fine. If you're wanting to reveal at D23, if you're wanting to reveal at San Diego Comic-Con, if you're wanting to reveal in Spider-Man 2, I'll wait for you to just shut up. Yeah, uh, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with that there. It seems like there's something going on, you know, it, I mean, uh, the body language and what was it last weekend's interview with with the two, you know, kind of spoke volumes, you know, it's like, oh man, what's she saying? But I, I, I'm not hurt, you know, if, if Venom and, and Silver and Black it isn't in the MCU, you know. Um, but I think there's more than meets the eye with with this scenario. Yeah, there was one particular quote that was um, really weird to me and a little disturbing. Um, uh, so this is, I'm pulling it up from Screen Rant right now. I don't think we've typed it up on the site. Uh, Kevin Feige said, right now Spidey is in the MCU and it's just Spidey. Civil War, Homecoming, we've already shot a lot of Tom Holland scenes, the upcoming Avengers film. We're starting to solidify our plans for Homecoming 2. We won't call it that, whatever it is. Which is exciting because it'll be the first MCU movie after Untitled Avengers in 2019. It'll be the way Civil War informed everything in Homecoming. Those movies will launch him off into a very new cinematic universe at that point. Those five movies we're focusing on. Maybe what he means there is just that um, Homecoming 2 is going to launch kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going in a new direction. But it also could be understood that that's the last contract on the thing and they're going to spin him back off into Sony and let him stay there. Uh, I hope that's not what that means, but I think there's danger that that's what it means. And so I have a new conspiracy theory that I'm going to put out there just so I can take credit for it if it's right, uh, but it's probably not. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if they're actually setting up Miles Morales, and they're only renting Peter Parker long enough to get us Miles. 
And then the MCU Spider-Man will really be Miles Morales going forward, and they'll either kill off Spidey or send him off to go hang out with Tom Hardy in some corner universe. Does this sound legitimate at all to you guys, or is that just total total crazy talk? I think that sounds totally possible, because I could totally see Sony being, you know, I could totally see Feige being like, look, Sony, you know, here's part of the deal. We'll make, you know, we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll let you have more of the profits on the Spider-Man movies. Just give us this, like, other Spidey. Like, nobody cares about this guy. You know, and I could see Sony thinking he's right. But there is definitely demand for Miles Morales. I think Feige is definitely aware of that interest. And I think it would be a hit. Do we know yet for sure that Miles actually belongs to Sony? Do you know, Adam? Do we know for sure if Miles is in Sony? That's what I was going to ask, you know, because, I mean, he's he's not that old of a character, you know, so unless it was some sort of part where he was grandfathered in, you know, where the contract with Sony's or whatever says that every single Spidey character belongs to Sony, you know, but then there's questions on if uh, a Jessica Drew belongs to Sony or something, you know? So I I really don't know. I, I think it would be a brilliant move on Marvel's part to make Miles Morales the, the Spidey of the MCU, you know? I mean, Tom let it flub, what, a couple weeks back that there there is going to be a trilogy of sorts, unless he was just kidding or, or joking around in that interview, you know? So it's still quite some time out. Um but yeah, I'm all for a Miles character in the MCU. Well, and I should say that, you know, I know the X-Men deal is that if any further X-Men are created, they immediately go to Fox, which is interesting because we've heard that Marvel like told their writers to stop creating X-Men characters because they just didn't want to give Fox like more IP for free, if that makes sense. So I think it's very possible that that's the deal with Spidey and that Miles would have immediately gone. I mean, that would be a lawsuit waiting to happen. If you had another character named Spider-Man, but you said, no, that doesn't count in your contract for Spider-Man, you know, I mean, it would be bizarre, but we also, there's a lot of things that we don't understand on how those contracts work. Um, It would be really nice if we could get a very forthright person that could explain all that stuff, but I'm sure the studios don't want us to know. So, yeah, Uh, is, is there a forthright person? You know, I mean, no one really seemed to know who even owned someone like Ego, you know? So there's a, there's a bunch of... It seems like there's a lot of gray areas. Yeah, I forgot uh, I forgot where I heard this, but I heard someone who was around say something like, there's been, there's been times in the past where the studios, like, called each other up about a character, and they literally had to, like, bill, like, five or six hours of lawyers... To like go through the contracts and figure out who they actually belong to. So I think it's very possible that these guys don't even know what they have. You know? So. Yeah. Certainly that was the case when James Gunn wrote Ego into his script without knowing that Ego was not belonging to Marvel, right? So. Yeah. All right. Um, next news bit is... Uh... Uh, yes. Um, we have confirmation recently that... Mitchell Ellison, who is the uh, reporter that Karen Page works with, that was um, Ben Urich's boss, from Daredevil, is going to return for a couple episodes of Punisher. And we also heard a rumor that November 14th, uh, I'm just grouping all the Punisher stuff together, November 14th is possibly the release date of Punisher. Uh, Which is a Tuesday, that's really weird, but we know that Stranger Things is coming on a Tuesday, albeit on 
Halloween, which kind of makes sense. But they also just released House of Cards on a Tuesday. Uh, Rhiannon is our, you know, resident Netflix expert. Um, anything stick out to you about either of these pieces of news? I mean, I think the Tuesday thing is really odd, but the source seemed, I mean, the source, yeah, they could still change it. Um, and I, I, I really hope they aren't moving to Tuesdays. But, the, you know, House of Cards on a Tuesday, they even had some sort of advertisement for House of Cards that to me was just sort of like, why a Tuesday? Don't question things. And um, I'm wondering if they're trying to start moving some things that might be a really high demand to a time when less people can binge all at once. You know, of course, there'll be some diehard fans that would watch, you know, as much as they can on Tuesday. But maybe it tapers the demand a little bit though i don't know if they would want to you know because right it's not like they need everybody to watch all at once so maybe they're expecting a really high demand for punisher and i mean i would expect if that were the case they would feel the same way about the defenders but maybe this is a decision that they've come to later or who knows what goes on behind the scenes at netflix but if you look at their schedule they really do drop things throughout the week it's just that their original shows have always been on Fridays, and they have been changing that around a little bit. So the Tuesday date could be legit. It's the right time of year. Um, the source is definitely one that we trust, though it is one that's information is still coming from somewhere else. You know, it's still coming from higher up at Netflix. So um, I and I'm totally excited that Ellison's going to show up in The Punisher. I mean, with Karen there. Um, you know, it shows that she's probably still a reporter. It shows that there's going to be a little bit of interaction over on the the Hell's Kitchen side of things. And um, it's a nice continuity. I, I like Jeffrey Cantor is also I've gotten to see him at a con. Like he is also just a fabulous person. So I'm just really happy for him to get the work as well. Yeah, I, I'm excited because they kind of re- I mean, they worked the Punisher case together in Daredevil season two. So it's just really natural to me that he would be in it. Um, as far as the release date, I, you know, I'm wondering if I'm Netflix, I'm going to I'd be interested in trying this because you would get the hardcore early adopters to see it on a Tuesday. And I think the hope would be after two or three days that they would start to talk about it and build up the interest so that the average people then hit it on the weekends. Kind of the way that movies now release on Thursday night. And you go to like the fanboys only showings, you know, on Thursday evenings, and then you get the uh, you get the rest of the people in on Friday. And so I think that could be um, just a a logical kind of thing to do. So do you have any thoughts on Punisher, Adam? None, really. The uh, Tuesday is a uh, really odd time. Uh, And with House of Carbs and Stranger Things, you know, kind of. I wonder if they have some sort of scientific number research in with that, you know, uh, who knows? Um, I'll probably end up binge watching it on Tuesday night anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think there will be uh, I think one of the things that was going around with house of cards was like a, uh, a fill in the blanks doctor note for your, your boss on Wednesday, <laughs> you know, for the sick day that you were going to take the Wednesday to, to watch the show. Um, totally. so I, yeah, it could definitely be that way. Uh, moving on in the news, um, we got a set photo from Infinity War from the Russo brothers of the um, Sanctum Sanctorum. Apparently, there's going to be some shots done there. 
in Infinity War. Uh, obviously, it makes some sense because that is going to be really close to where the Time Stone is residing. Um, I guess I had this question. As we look at the structure of this movie, um, are you guys okay with the idea that the film is going to be about like the Black Order going around and collecting up the Infinity Stones? Or is that just a little more preamble? Like... My fear is we have been building up to the gauntlet so long. If they give me two hours of putting the stones in the gauntlet, I might go crazy. You know, like, is that something you want to see? Do you want to see all these battles to get the stones? Or do you want to see, like, a quick montage and have him have them and actually fighting Thanos early on? Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think that could still be what's happening. Um, You know, we don't know if they all came together and filmed for a day in the Santorum or if they're filming there for two weeks. And um, there's a lot of introductions that have to happen in this movie. There's a lot of characters that we know that don't know each other. So, you know, Stark and Strange meeting, to me, that's a really big deal. And to me, that's some stuff that I don't mind them taking time with. You know, each of these, like, characters that maybe in the comics have overlapped a lot. Or, you know, we really know them from the movies, but they haven't met in the MCU, I think the first movie is going to be a lot of that, along with collecting the stones. So you you mean you want more of an introduction than, is she with you? I thought she was with you. <laughs> You'd like to see something more than that kind of an introduction? Just a little bit more. That was my picking at Batman joke that oh. I thought Adam would laugh at, and he did not <laughs> laugh at. Uh-oh. That's the scene in Batman vs. Superman, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was laughing silently. Okay. (laughs) You don't have to to humor me that way, Adam. (laughs) Internally laughing, Caleb. I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm laughing at you. No. (laughs) Uh, uh. All right. Uh, Next piece of news I've got is uh, Wonder Man. Uh, apparently, uh, Nathan Fillion has talked some about wanting to be Wonder Woman in the MCU. Uh, Adam, I'll throw this one to you because I'm assuming you have some uh, thoughts on Wonder Man uh, more than Rhiannon and May. Uh, do you really want to see uh, Nathan Fillion as Wonder Man or is that a character you're okay skipping? Um, I honestly, I, I really don't know why there's so much buzz around nathan and and wonder man i I don't get it you know it seems like he's just one of those cult type guys you know it's like everyone wants him and i'm not sure i understand why you know um i'm not gonna say no i think wonder man would be an awesome addition to the mcu It'll, it'll be uh uh somewhat humorous addition you know um but yeah, I mean, I could take it or leave it at this point. You know, it's not like he's my favorite character in the whole entire world. You know, if uh, I had the choice between Iron Fist Season 2 and Wonder Man, I would certainly choose Iron Fist Season 2. Yeah, I, I've just never understood the interest in him. I mean, it might be cool if they tried to do, like, I don't know, some sort of thing where they kind of mocked Hollywood and they talked about sort of the vanity of Hollywood, but... He's just always been, I don't know, a fluffy character to me. I've not had a lot of interest. So, uh, moving on to Black Panther, we're going to have the character of Nightshade in Black Panther. Um, this is something I don't have a lot of thoughts on because 
we're actually reaching the point in the MCU where the characters are deep enough cuts that I don't have any idea who they are. That started to happen in Guardians 2, and it's happening now here. I just don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of these characters, but Nightshade, uh, apparently someone been around for a while in the Black Panther comics. Uh, did either of you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So Nightshade's Tilda Johnson, and she used to be a villain, and more recently she was actually converted into, like, the... Um... I don't know. <laughs> the The easiest comparison is probably the Felicity Smoke of Nighthawk. Um, the Squadron Supreme member, she's kind of the brains, and she makes all this tech and, and things like that. Um, and she's actually in the current run part of the Occupy Avengers group. Um, so, I mean, I would love it if that's a direct tie to bringing Nighthawk into the MCU. He's one of my favorite current comic book characters. Um, but it's not, probably nothing more than... Uh, what we saw with um, Starhawk and Martin X in Guardians 2, you know, it's like, oh, cool, there's this really obscure comic character that I just read in a comic, you know, leading up to the show, and that's about it, you know. All right, there you go. We managed to talk about Nightshade a little bit, so uh, very good job, Adam. Good <laughs> way to have your comic knowledge <laughs> up, man. Finally, let's talk real quick. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, or not Amazing Spider-Man, Homecoming 2, whatever we're calling it. Um, we'll just, we'll just keep calling it Spider-Man prom from now on out, but Spider-Man prom is going to have another Avenger, but will not have Iron Man. Rhiannon, we'll start with you. Do you have another Avenger that you would like to see in a Spider-Man movie? Another Avenger that I'd like to see in a Spider-Man movie. Um, I really have no idea. I mean, obviously I would love to see him interact with Captain America. Um, you know, I think he and Bruce Banner will get along fabulously. I think Banner would be another, you know, because he's a a scientist like Peter. I think they would get along brilliantly. So that would be pretty cool if he was a mentor to Peter Parker. Adam, you have an opinion? I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of who's going to survive Infinity War and be able to make it to that. And I I don't know who it would be exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I like, um, I do like the idea of Banner, um, partially because we're not, apparently going to get a Hulk movie ever again. And so the more teams he can be like the second character in will be better, you know, to see Hulk more often. But I think Spider-Man's got a long mythology that's a lot about science gone wrong, whether it's Peter or it's, um, I mean, a lot of the villains, Green Goblin, Lizard, uh, Scorpion. Um, you know, like when I was rewatching the animated series with my kids, like it seemed like every bad guy the beginning of their story would be a science experiment gone wrong. And so I just think Banner's like a natural fit to that kind of theme. And so it makes sense to me to have Hulk in a Spider-Man movie. Um, And it's also kind of fun to have the agile Spider-Man with the big brute, strong uh, Hulk. It just, it seems like they complement each other well. So it's kind of what I would like to see. Um, Obviously, you know, I think Daredevil and Spider-Man is the most obvious connection, but I don't think that will be likely. Well, you specifically we said hope, Avengers. I, <laughs> I know I did. I did. But that's I know that's in the back of your mind, isn't it, Rihanna? Daredevil. Always. Well, always. Yeah. But they're both right there in New York City. I mean, they're like a 15-minute sub ride away from each other. They they have to interact. Yeah, you would think so. Um, but we'll see. Um, all right. I think that does it for the news. So let's go ahead and we'll jump into our uh, continuing conversation where we go back through uh, all the Marvel television seasons as we have ranked them as a crew. And uh, today's is number seven on the ranking, and it is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
season one. Now, uh, the way the way we have to open this, um, I have already seen several comments on our um, posts of our podcast where people have said season one is so terrible. How did these guys rank them better than season three or season two? For the record, I had season one last. So Adam and Rhiannon, how did you guys possibly think that season one was better than season two or three? <laughs> to me, I think it's, um, I think generally the first season of a lot of shows, it has to be a certain level of awesome or I never make it to two, three, four, whatever's coming next. Um, and season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I haven't gone back and rewatched it. So when we were doing the rankings, I just remembered this general feeling of this is really good. I have to keep watching. And that is a feeling that has definitely gone away in later seasons. And it's come back. I mean, it ebbs and flows. But just like season one, I just remember being like, this is fantastic. So that's the quick and dirty as to why it ranked so high on my list. Adam? How about you, Adam? Yeah, yeah, you know, pretty much I agree. The first season is going to kind of set the standard, you know, and that's what's going to be, everything's going to be compared to. You know, obviously we're comparing Guardians Volume 2 to the first Guardians and Winter Soldier to the first Avenger, so on and so forth, you know. It was, it's something new, you know. It was the uh, introduction of the MCU on TV, Um, you know, Deathlock and the whole Tahiti thing, you know. It's just... I liked it a lot more than Hive. You know, I, I know a lot of people like Hive and so on and so forth. But as as an overall season, you know, I just think uh, season one did uh, end up um, better than... Certainly not season four. Or what are we on now? Four, right? Three, four? We just four. finished four. Yeah, season... Yeah, yeah five starts yeah. in the fall. So, um, yeah. Um Certainly better than two and three, at least. Yeah. See, I'm I'm in the uh, I'm in the minority here amongst you guys. I really think it's the worst season of that show. It was interesting, Rihanna. You said that you know you just kept coming back to it. Uh, it's the opposite for me. Most of the time that Shield has been on, I watch it every week within you know four or five days of it coming out. There was a period in season one of Agent Shield where I got like eight episodes behind. And I stopped watching for a couple of months. And I only got back into it because I knew there was going to be a Civil War tie-in. Like, uh, it was just, it was the, it was, it felt like a bad X-Files show for me that first season. Because it was just every week, it was a different bad guy that had some kind of, you know, boogeyman powers. And it's, uh, I don't know. It just, it all felt like they were, at the time, I think we all felt what was really happening. Which was, they were telling stories with no idea where those stories would go. Because they were literally just waiting, like they were just doggy paddling until they could get to uh, the reveal that happened in Captain America Civil War, uh, or Captain America Winter Soldier. And I feel like that flip, that's the best part of that season. The way that the, the fact that I went, you know, I saw the episode before um, Winter Soldier, and I said, oh, that's an interesting setup, what's going on? And then I saw Winter Soldier, and I saw S.H.I.E.L.D. collapse. And literally on the way home, like I looked at my wife, I'm like, what are we going to watch next Tuesday? How is there still going to be an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when this is done? And I think that was brilliant. And I think the last third of that season is really good for that stuff. And I think Bill Pullman was really good when he was on that show. Um, it was just the stuff before that just felt meandering. And when you look back at it, I think it still is meandering because it wasn't going anywhere. It was just waiting time. 
And I find it interesting that whenever we talk about interconnectedness and how connected is the MCU, I think Feige and others really learned a lesson. I mean, let me turn this to a question. Do you guys think that the way that they had to sort of wait for the plot point in that first season with the big Winter Soldier reveal, uh, has that deeply shaped, you think, the way that we have connection between the MCU on the film and TV side so that we don't have the TV shows having to wait for the movies to happen, so to speak? You know, uh, I mean, that's pro- that has to be the biggest crossover bit we've seen so far. I mean, we're still feeling the effects of that um that crossover between shield and winter soldier you know right now you know they just this past season they just finally became public again after those events you know and now they're still kind of in limbo after all the stuff that went on with lmds you know i think it's certainly a far-reaching crossover i suppose yeah i just think um all the criticism that they got about the pacing of that first season is part of the reason we don't have more interconnectedness is, you know, I mean, there's kind of this theory that Kevin Feige just hates the TV side, but I think that he he cares enough about it to know that, you know, trying to force fit it into his time frame is not great for the writers of the TV show. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I know, I know a lot of people who dropped off halfway through season one and, and still refuse to watch it to this day, you know, but it's that type of thing you... You just keep on sticking it out, and it really does get better. Um, it would be difficult, you know, being a TV writer and knowing that um, you're in the same event as these huge blockbuster movies, except that blockbuster movie comes out, you know, smack dab in the middle of the season, so you have to plan the first half of the season around the second half and and balance that stuff, you know. It does seem like it would be a difficult thing for the uh, tv writers especially you know because obviously the movies are what makes marvel money not not tv so yeah i I can see where you're coming from with that yeah and i think when you word it that way it's i think marvel learned in that experiment that it's really freaking hard to pull off and i i do believe that that is why they haven't tried anything that massive a tie-in but i loved that tie-in i mean i i that was an amazing thing. I mean, I wasn't even following the MCU then and I was hearing people talk like, oh my gosh, you have to watch, you have to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. before you watch Winter Soldier. You know, you have to watch these together. They go together so much and um, you really don't have that anymore at all. Well, we say that. Um, do you guys, uh, are you, there's a theory that uh, Infinity War is going to closely, particularly with the space aspect of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up, that Infinity War will tie closely to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or really more that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will come into Infinity War, and that that's even a way that they can send the show off as sort of a final season. Oh, would you be happy if they managed to do one last giant tie-in to kind of finish out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a show? Totally. Um, I, 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 I mean, not that I want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to go, but... I would love that if it is going to go, that they do it in some massive, well-planned way like that. Yeah, it seems... Oh, go ahead, Adam. No, I was just going to say absolutely. You know, that that would be amazing. At least have have Clark Gregg back in in a little cameo-type setting, you know, to uh, 
bring the whole thing full circle. I think that would be a fitting touch to ending the show. I've always joked that I would like for Coulson to show up in Infinity War just so he can die again to bring everybody back together. But not because, <laughs> I mean, not, and, and like, I love, I love Coulson. But I just think that would be funny. Yeah, I think that this time, if it is the last season, it gives us some good opportunity because the challenge, I think, is a little less. If we um, if we give the writers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who are working right now, they could have potentially the script of Infinity War in their hand. And they could say, listen, this is the end of your show, and this is where the movie universe is going. You know, go ahead and make it fit. There's less moving parts. It's not like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is something that they're going to have to preserve for a 6th or 7th or 8th season. If they told them this year is it make it work i just feel like the writing challenge will be less this time around so uh, i think there's a lot of potential there all right so that is agents of shield season one uh next week we will get to uh six of eleven and we will finally have a netflix show one of the netflix shows will appear in our rankings which one will it be probably one that makes you angry but that's okay we will talk next week about one of the netflix shows in the sixth spot and go from there All right, uh, our main discussion today is uh, we want to talk about the other Marvel movies that are not part of the MCU and kind of how they fit and how we think about them and just kind of play a little game of uh, if we could only add one, which one would we add to the MCU? Uh, We know that we are very specific here at MCU Exchange where we only talk about the movies specifically made by Marvel Studios, but that there are other movies out there. So I am going to start um, and I will first thing I'll do is I'll just read these uh, read the list, guys, based on their date. And then from there, um, we can uh, talk about um, if you've seen them and what you think about them and all that kind of stuff. So uh, here's the read. I'm going to go modern history. And so the old Captain America with a clear shield and Howard the Duck and all that kind of stuff. I will skip Uh, just one second. All right, so uh, here they are, the other movies by release date that are not part of the MCU. Uh, Blade, X-Men, Blade 2, Spider-Man, Daredevil, the Fox version, uh, X-2, X-Men United, Hulk, The Punisher, Spider-Man 2, Blade Trinity, Elektra, Fantastic Four, the first time around, X-Men The Last Stand, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Punisher Warzone, X-Men Origins Wolverine, X-Men First Class, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, um, The Wolverine, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, X-Men Days of Futures Past, um, Big Hero 6, if you want to include that, that's the Disney animated, uh, Fantastic Four, the terrible one, Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse, and Logan. I think those are all of them since 1998. Let me just ask, have you guys seen most of these, some of these? Uh, you know, how much how much exposure do you have to these non-MCU Marvel movies? Very little. Which isn't because of the movies themselves, but just I am more of a television person. I don't go to the movies that much. Adam, have you seen all these? Yeah, I'm looking through the list now. Most of them? Um... I don't think I, I think I saw the first Ghost Rider. I don't think I saw Spirit of Vengeance, and I I, I honestly can't say I've seen uh, Punisher Warzone either. I don't think. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I knew that was a movie. Um, 
So yeah, I've seen most of them. Of course, all the Spider-Man movies, all the X-Men movies, unfortunately, all the Fantastic Four movies. Um, oh, and the Ang Lee Hulk, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That was something. <laughs> that was something else. <laughs> so yeah, for the most part, I I've seen them. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think uh, I know I've seen all the X-Men and Spider-Man movies. Uh, you know, just Blade and Punisher and Ghost, like the more like edgy R-rated ones. I don't think I've seen. I also don't think I ever saw Elektra. I never really bought Jennifer Garner as Elektra, and so I really had no interest in that. Rhiannon, as a Daredevil fan, have you gone back and watched the uh, the Ben Affleck one? Oh yeah, yeah, I have. What, what are your th- What are your thoughts on Affleck Daredevil? You know, I think if you um, have read the Quesada Daredevil, I think they do, um, or yeah. Like the uh, when Kevin Smith was writing it and Joe Quesada was illustrating, it's a very weird Daredevil, and that movie seems to be pretty true to that image, which is right for around the time. I mean, the Quesada Quesada did the art for Daredevil in like '98. The movie came out in 2003, so that's about the right amount of time for that imagery to be what was taken in when Ben Affleck took over the character, and of course, Affleck being friends with Kevin Smith. Um, yeah, probably highly influenced by that run. Um, but I'm with you on Jennifer Garner being Electra. It just was a hard sell. I didn't go on to that next movie. But, and I watched the Daredevil movie around the time that the TV show came out. So obviously, I prefer the TV show version a whole lot. Um, but I think when you look at all of this list, and I have seen some of them, but it's a lot of experiments. And I think those experiments were necessary to get where we are today, that they know how to bring these movies to us in such a good way. And we're still seeing these experiments, you know, when you look at the other, when you look at like what Fox is doing with, I mean, Fox has done nothing but experiment with the X-Men franchise. And they're, sometimes they hit it out of the park and sometimes they don't. But if you don't try these unusual things, you won't get fabulous movies like Deadpool and Logan which I have seen those. Yeah. If you guys uh, looking at that list, is there any of them that come to mind as like your favorite on these lists? Like the ones that, uh, you know, really uh, any of these movies are, are really some of it, movies you like a lot. Deadpool. I mean, I also watched the Adam, original X-Men and loved it. Yeah. Um, Dead, I mean, Logan's might be one of, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to be careful. Dead or Logan might be one of my favorite superhero movies. Um, I loved it. I I almost sobbed at the at the ending part of Logan. Um, I did tear up. It was, it was a very good movie. Deadpool was excellent. I mean, the the Deadpool uh, they put together was right out of the comic books. It couldn't have got much more accurate than that. Um, so those I liked the original X Men. That was good. Um, you know, uh, First Class and Days of Future Past, I mean, they weren't horrible. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I didn't mind Spider-Man, um, the original one, for sure. Um, those are probably the ones I, I could watch again, I guess. Yeah, the one that sticks out to me is uh, X2, X-Men United. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember loving the end of that movie. I remember it was a lot of... Wolverine, Weapon X facility kind of stuff, which I don't tend to like. But I remember, I think it's the opening scene of that movie, uh, Nightcrawler attacks the White House, and he like slowly makes his way through the Secret Service guards, 
until he's like face to face with the president to kind of just make like a terroristic warning against his actions towards mutants. And I just, to, to this day, that is one of my favorite action scenes in a movie. I'm kind of a nightcrawler guy anyways. I really love that character. And so just the, the visuals and the way they just, his movement and his teleportation, it was exactly what I had always imagined. It fit the cartoon well. Like, I just remember like seeing that and being like, this is the best special effects ever. And like, if I looked at it now, I might not like it as much, but it was one that was just like, uh, I don't know, that scene always sticks out in my head. Like, I want to rewatch that movie just for that scene, uh, even if the rest of it isn't as good, because it was, uh, I don't know, it was very memorable for me. So, uh, is any of these movies that you guys have seen that you just think is absolutely terrible? Like, who, what is the worst that someone has done with Marvel outside of MCU? Oh, man. Um, the flat out worst, um, might, it might have to be the most recent in Fantastic Four, right? That was going to be mine, but go ahead. (laughs) No, I mean, you, I'll let you rant on it. You know, it's, yeah, that's, that's probably the worst. I, I mean, things like, um, Hulk, you know, it wasn't that bad. Um, yeah, I would probably go with the most recent Fantastic Four. I didn't care for, um, X-Men Origins Wolverine either, I think, um, but yeah, those are those are probably my least favorite. Heads and shoulders. The uh, most recent Fantastic Four is probably the worst. But I don't want to get really upset and frustrated, so I'll let someone else go. <laughs> the the, the thing that kills me about oh yeah, you gone. The thing that kills me about that movie is that um, I actually kind of like the beginning of it. I know some people hate the whole thing, but I didn't hate the cast. I kind of liked Michael B. Jordan in it because Michael B. Jordan I always like in everything. Um, you know, I just felt like the cast worked together pretty well in the opening 30, 45 minutes. I was like, why does everyone think this is terrible? And there's like an abrupt, like record scratching moment where you can feel the studio ripping the film out of the cold, dead hands of Josh Trank and just totally changing it. You know, like it couldn't, if they had started putting like circus music in the background, it would not have been more abrupt the moment which the movie ceased to be Tranks and became some executive corporate schlop. And so I think that's the thing that's so terrible about that movie is it's just so obvious where it went off the rails, you know? Sorry, Rihanna, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I I was going the other direction. Isn't X-Men, Wolver- X-Men Origins Wolverine the one that was filmed during the writer's strike where, like, Deadpool has his mouth sewn shut? and everything yes yeah that's it yeah i've never seen that i mean i've seen clips from that one but just the sound of it is sound it sounds almost like one that i want to see just to mock how horrible it is yeah it had come uh let me see where does that fit i think it had started after yes so yeah, it came out in 2009 came, so that's around the right time right. to have been filming during the strike and it came out about a year after mcu and the interconnected universe started And so they tried to sprinkle all these cool, like, Easter eggs in it. Like, oh, look at this. But none of them made any sense. And so we kind of got Emma Frost. But that doesn't work at all with the the timeline of Emma Frost being in her 20s or 30s in the 60s in first class. And then Cyclops was in it. But it didn't totally make sense why Cyclops was in it and how that fit with his future with the X-Men. And then there was just continuity stuff about, like... You can shoot Wolverine in the brain with an animantium bullet, and we know it won't kill him, but we know it'll take all his memories away. And it's like, how do you know that's true? <laughs> like, there was so much weird, lazy stuff in there. Um, it's 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 unbelievable. 
Did you have a worse one, Rhiannon, or was was that it for you? I mean, if we can't go to Daredevil again, of the ones I've seen, uh, I mean, you know, like I said, I haven't. I, in this type of movie, I am only going to go see it if it has gotten fantastic reviews or people are talking about it and you have to go see it and stuff. So, I mean, that's why I've seen Wonder Woman and not Batman v Superman. So I don't really go and see it if I hear it's going to be crap. That's good for you. I, I I wish I could live that way. I am too on the hook, given my my fan experience. Uh, I just I don't know. I feel like I have to maintain a certain level of of knowledge, even if it causes me to see movies I hate. So, but I do push them off. I do push them off until they're on Redbox lately. So, all right. Now let's talk about just quickly. If you guys could pick any one of these and adopt it into the MCU. Is there one of these movies that you would like to adopt or that you feel like we even could without totally messing with the uh, the continuity or is that just an impossibility? Deadpool. I mean, he was enough. Okay, how would, he was on how his, would that work? He, I mean, you know, enough of the story for him was on his own. I mean, I know there were some X-Men characters thrown his way, but I think he was on his own enough that we could pull him into the MCU and he's irrelevant enough. He's just random enough that I think he would really just sort of change the... He would be some levity that the MCU may need after, like, all of this cosmic out in the world. Let's have just a smartass from the West Coast join the team. But I just love Deadpool. So, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I mean, Deadpool and Logan. You know, Logan there wasn't really anything else to do. I mean, you had Professor X... But, you know, to actually integrate it in the current MCU, you know, you could do exactly what the MCU did, you know, and say it's some sort of alternate thing without and bring those two over without having the rest of the the kerfuffle with the whole horrid timeline and continuity issues, you know, and that whole mess. I mean, flat out as as simple as the, the most simple to bring over is probably Deadpool, you know, I mean, Colossus and negasonic teenage warhead you know i mean those two characters i mean colossus was in one of the earlier x-men ones not that much um so i mean those two characters you wouldn't have to do much explaining either all right so i have two and i don't think either of them were great but um the first one is big hero six like the biggest problem have either of you guys seen this movie yeah i have not no oh you got okay so i, I know it's a kid's movie it's a disney movie it's really good, and it's pretty decent as a Marvel movie goes. And the only problem with it is the setting is kind of a fictional city that's a mashup of San Francisco and Tokyo. But other than that, this could totally be kind of like Runaways. It could be like a group of kids that were doing this out in San Francisco, and there's no reason why it couldn't coexist with the MCU. And frankly, it's quality-wise good enough that I think it would deserve to be I almost, um, I kind of want to see some animation in the MCU. This is a total other tangent. We've been watching Clone Wars with my daughter, and the way that the Clone Wars, like, mythos, like, adds to what's been going on with Star Wars, I think is good. But anyways, I think they could add in Big Hero 6. Uh, the other one, and this is going to sound crazy, I'm not so sure the Incredible Hulk has to be, or, uh, Hulk, the Ang Lee one, I think they could kind of retrofit it. Because as I remember, Incredible Hulk, we don't actually get Hulk becoming the Hulk, right? There's no origin story. We pick up with Bruce in South America. And as I remember, I think at the end of Hulk, 
he takes off and runs to South America to escape people. Uh, I think there's some problems with maybe the villains and General Ross and some of that stuff. But I think that you could actually insert Hulk as like a a prelude or a beginning part to the Hulk story, and it would not it would not uh, it wouldn't break as much continuity as you might think. Does, do you guys remember that movie? Am I totally off, or is this a possibility? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. All right. Um, any other thoughts about this? I mean, as we wrap up this conversation, um, I, I think at this point we're pretty glad, right, that there are other movies. Uh, I used to be stronger about wanting X-Men into the MCU, but I think I get to see more movies this way. I'm not sure if the MCU would be producing uh, a couple, you know, Logan and some of this other stuff. And it looks like they're doing fun things with the X-Universe. So, I mean, in the end, we are benefiting from having several studios look at this stuff, don't you think? Yeah. Like I said um, when we started the discussion, I think the um, the chance to experiment and all of the different directions that movies have gone, we're all we're all learning and we're all seeing better movies now because of the lessons learned through that process. I think it's really made it so that some of the studios are like, no, we are not doing this until we can do it right. We're not going to tell these stories until we can tell them in the way they need to be told. Hopefully. I mean, it seems like things are getting better at all studios right now. Except for Sony. That's only Marvel Studios' fault. We're not letting you off the hook, Sony. You're still ruining everything. Please don't make that venom. The lesson Sony has learned is work with Marvel. I mean, maybe the lesson Sony is learning. You know, maybe maybe they've still got some experimentation to fully understand, but... The lesson that Kevin Feige is learning is install a mute button on Amy Pascal. I think that's probably the lesson that he's learning. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to go on. Let's go to our mailbag. Um, we last week talked about fatherhood in the MCU and talked about different dads. And we knew we would miss some, and we sh- apparently have. Uh, here's from the website. Someone called The Mat Man uh, pointed out that we missed Hawkeye. That was a pretty big miss as far as fathers. He's obviously got the kiddos, and he also... Takes care of Wanda and Pietro in a way. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a good one. Um, Love Waffle was giving his thoughts about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he liked Season 2 much more than we did. Um, And Mark was just charming in about how bad he thought the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 was. Um, uh, We had someone named Edwin Silviera uh, mention that we forgot Thanos. Um, That is another big one that we probably should have caught as far as dads in the MCU. Uh, Alvin uh, mentioned Fitz's dad and John Garrett, uh, because John Garrett was kind of a father figure for Grant Ward. That is true. Uh, Dave has a a big theory about how Odin is actually going to turn out to be an okay father in the end. It's just a big plot twist coming in Ragnarok. So if you want to see that, you can read it on the website. Um, Spirit of Vengeance gave some thoughts about uh, our ranking of the TV shows. Uh, Phantomir and Love Waffle had some back and forth about Venom and what Venom will look like and how it could be terrible or could be good. Uh, over on Twitter, um, Jackhammer mentioned we forgot Thaddeus Ross. That's a good dad that we forgot in our conversation. Um, and then um, we also got a tweet today from Michael T. Ford III um, giving us a great term. He refers to the Venom movies as existing in the Marvel Sony-matic universe. Is that right, uh, Rehanen? That sounds right. The Sony-matic universe. So that's kind of funny, and that's uh, that's interesting. 
Uh, there was also, so I've been rewatching all the old Netflix shows. Rhiannon, we missed a major dad that you and I should both be ashamed of missing. Who did we miss in our fatherhood episode that deserved much mention? Um, well, see, I know we had some written on our list and I can't remember which ones we talked about. Um, did, I mean, did we talk about Papa Fisk? No, a little bit, but that's not it. Okay. We missed Frank Castle. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, man. How in the world did we miss the punish? <laughs> like, it's so integral to his character, too. And there's like that whole monologue in episode four of season two where he talks about not wanting to read his daughter the book because he was so tired and then she's dead the next day. Like, oh, I can't believe we forgot that one because I actually kind of respect. I don't respect Punisher as a person, but as a dad, he seemed like a pretty decent one. So I can't believe we missed it. Oh, that was a horrible fail. I, I, I feel like firing myself over that one. I, I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> yes. You had just missed the giant fat paychecks from doing it. So I know. Um. I know. Dock my pay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that does it for our show today. Do you guys have anything else this week? Well, I mean, I did enjoy the uh, Defenders motion posters. So, oh yes, there's more of that coming soon. Oh, I read an article on Collider that called those the worst movie poster ever, or the worst superhero poster ever. And then, like, the comment was like, they look like they're super annoyed to be there. Have you watched these shows? Jessica Jones is always annoyed to be there. That's the whole point. <laughs> I think oh. it's great. I love the comparisons to Kevin Smith's Clerks poster. Kevin put it up, like the two of them side by side. And it's just like, oh, we don't want to cool. serve you. We don't want to defend you. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this very begrudgingly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam, tell them where they can find you. I'm at Twitter at Adam Barnhart. Follow us. Follow us all, actually. We always have some good conversations. You can find me. Oh, you can find you can find me as Shada Patron on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to support our show, uh, you can always like our posts on Facebook or Twitter. You can comment on the website or uh, send in a tweet via hashtag MCUEXPOD. That's MCUXPOD. Uh, we love it when you guys interact with us, and we love for you li- to listen to the show. The biggest thing is subscribe and listen every week, as well as uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes if you like the show and you've not done so yet. That's the biggest way that people can find us. Um, other than that, keep going to MCU Exchange for all your latest Marvel news and reviews and speculation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we try to get stuff out as quick as we can, so we keep you as up-to-date as possible on everything happening in the MCU. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.